you're gonna get this pointed right at me. No offense. Those of you who don't get your own personal fan, go to seminary, be a preacher, you get your own personal fan. <laughs> it's good to be back. Um, Carol and I enjoy our time off. We uh, like to visit friends, churches in the city, if we're in the city or other places. But uh, it, is, it is very nice to be, to be back to, and uh, to worship at Hope. This is home. Man, this is home. And so we really appreciate that. If you're new with us right now, we're in a series right now on the Gospel of John. And the, we're actually in the second part of it. Really, it's the first main chunk of the Gospel of John uh, from uh, chapter 1, verse 19, all the way to chapter 12, through chapter 12. And Jesus, in this section of, the, of Scripture, is going to be revealing and really clearly, we're going to see this today, really clearly start revealing who he is. We're in a passage right now, have been for about four weeks. We'll spend this week and then two more weeks on this John chapter 6, all that's happening in John chapter 6. And it's actually really amazing. In the first first 15 verses, the most famous event happens of the chapter. Uh, It's it's debatable. One of the two is the most famous event. Uh, He is with a whole group of people that keep following him. They go out to this deserted place. There's about 5,000 people, and they can't get anything to eat. And so Jesus miraculously changes uh, two fish and five loaves, or five fish and two loaves, two fish and five loaves, I think, into enough food so that everybody can eat and have their fill. So it's a miracle. That happens in the first 15 verses. Then in, in verse 16, Jesus then walks on water, which yeah, that's another very famous miracle of Christ. He walks on water, gets to the other side of this lake, this sea, and the people follow him over there. And that's what happens. Uh, they, 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 uh, they follow him over to the other side of this lake when he walks over there. And if you want to open your Bible, if you've got a Bible with you, that'd be great, because we're going to read this. We're going to read it together, uh, and I don't have it on the screen. So if you have a Bible in front of you, those little, little booklets, uh, John chapter 6 Starting, on, starting in verse 25. And just because it's hot and because uh, uh, be nice to do, why don't we stand in honor of reading of the word together? So why don't you stand with, with me? And a few of you that come from Episcopal or Catholic backgrounds are going, woohoo, 10 years are finally standing when they read the word of God. <clears throat> and uh, what I'm going to do is kind of different. Uh, we're just going to, if any of you have a Bible in front of you, why don't you just read it nice and loud? I'm going to read, we're going to read together uh, John 6, 25 through 40. So if anybody wants to read that nice and loud, there's fans and everything, if you're comfortable doing that, do, go ahead and do it. If you're not, just listen. That's fine. John 6, starting in verse 25. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, bad directions. One person. If one person can read, we're going to have a lot of different translations. So just, just one person, shout it out loud, read about a paragraph, and let the next person go. Sorry, very bad. Uh, Trying something new here, and uh, all right.
Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and you still do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Great. You can be seated. <clears throat> now see, the interesting thing you're going to find out, and this is very true in the book of John, is that Jesus will do miracles, but the, the interesting thing about the miracle is it's actually just the first act. What he's trying to do is get them to think about something else. And in this case, he gives them things to eat, and he picks up on the metaphor of bread, and he says, you know, the reality is, I am the bread of life. And he runs with that metaphor, and it's a beautiful metaphor throughout Scripture. If you just go ahead and look, and we're not going to do that, but I know Cor and Aaron have taken a look at the man in the desert, the idea of bread throughout Scripture. It's something that satisfies you. And Jesus is picking up on that and saying, I am the bread of life. So that's what he tells all the people. Now we're going to look at how they responded to that. With this week's, we're going to look at the next 11 verses, verses 41 to, to 51. I wish we could uh, do this all, but if we did it all, everybody in this room would be melted. So we are just going to do 10 or 11 verses today. So we'll pick it up in verse 41. If you still have your Bible open, I'll read it this time. You guys did a great job. I'm impressed with that. That was, this is kind of experimental Sunday, huh? Kind of good job. Okay, verse 41. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, how can he, he now say, I came down from heaven? Now, at first glance, you, you, that may not look that bad. This is bad. This, this, this is a bad thing. They're grumbling about this. Jesus makes this amazing statement. You know what? I'm the one that has come and I will satisfy your soul. I'm it though. And it's an amazing statement. You know, it's an amazing egotistical statement unless you are him. He says, I am him. And there's a moment with these, with these people that call them the Jews. Now, that's kind of an interesting phrase because everybody there probably was Jewish. But John, when he uses the phrase the Jews, usually refers to people who are uh, religious, religious rulers, uh, people that get uh, religiosity but don't understand Christ. It says, the Jews began to grumble about him, and then they say this. Wait a minute. You say you're the bread from heaven? We know you. You came from Nazareth. Ooh, 
you know, you're from Green Bay. <laughs> Met a guy from Green Bay this week. I, I, I was kind, actually, most, most of the time. You know, it, no, he wasn't big. I, I could take him. I could take him. This is a slam. And then he says, you know what? We know your family, Joseph and Mary. We know them. We've seen them. And you know what, Jesus? I'm going to read a little bit in the white spaces here. We did the math. You were born about four months after they got married. You're a bastard child, Jesus. We know your family. This is son of Joseph, father, mother. We know you, you, what, are you, what are you talking about? There's nothing special about you. Yeah, your mother's kind of wacko too, this whole virgin birth thing. Yeah, we've heard that one before. Do you see what he's doing? They're really ripping on Jesus. This is an amazing, amazing gouge on him. He just claimed to be the bread of life. They're saying you're nothing. It's a serious slam on his family identity. You're a nobody. This weekend, this is kind of a springboard to next week. Uh, we're doing a, a little series uh, in the middle of this series called Who Are You? Three weeks long. And we're going to find out that when Jesus Christ, this week we're going to look at Jesus and who he claims that he is. And next week and the week after, we'll see that when you come to grips with who Jesus is, your identity will change. That's next week. Can't get to that now. I, I would argue now, and, and there's a very weak argument. I'll just be honest to say this. Pause the tape. I don't want to be else hearing this except who's live, and then I'll deny it. I, I would say that at this moment, there's, there's going to be in Jesus a moment of struggle. These people who, they've been following me, and they're my fellow countrymen. Remember, Jesus is a Jew. They are now ripping on him, saying, you're a nobody. You're a nothing. How can you possibly, how can you even think that you're the bread of heaven? That's ridiculous. The reason I'm going to say that there's a moment here is because Scripture talks about in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and not in the book of John, the book of John doesn't talk about this, but other, the other Gospels do, Jesus went through temptations in the desert. Matthew chapter 4 is my favorite account of this. We're going to flip there real quick. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to I think 11, is where Jesus is going to go through these temptations. There's a famous painting that was painted by a guy by the name of Botticelli, it's in, this thing right here is a Frisco. Anybody know what a Frisco is? Fresco, excuse me? Yes, sir. What's a Fresco? Fancy for painted on the wall. That's basically all it means. It's just something that's painted on the wall, and it's, it's usually a big scene depicting, say it again. Oh, it's a big scene depicting some biblical scene usually, oftentimes in churches, amazing. This one's in the Vatican. This one is called The Three Temptations of Christ. And you're going to find in the, in the three, uh, uh, Jesus is in blue, and he's in four different places. One, there he's being ministered to by the angels in the lower, my, my left. And then above it, he's being tempted to change rocks into stone. Over there, he goes to the top of the temple, and he's being th uh, uh, tempted there. And on the right-hand side, he's being tempted from a very high place. We're going to look at, first of all, the... Uh, temptation on the upper left. I'm going to blow it up here. I'm going to read the scripture as we blow this up. So there he's being tempted by the devil. He's looking at stones. Let's read this. Matthew chapter 4. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days. 40 days. That's a lot of days. No, no, didn't eat. And 40 nights... 
Understatement of the year coming next, he was hungry, right? You'd be very hungry after 40 days. The tempter came to him and said, notice his first word, if, not since, if you are the son of God, tell those stones to become bread. Do you see the temptation? The temptation is not make this uh, stones into bread. The temptation is prove to me that you are. If you are the Son of God. There's a self-identity thing going. That's what Jesus is really struggling with. That's what the temptation was. And you know, I don't, uh, you have to put your, this in your theological pipe. How does the Son of God, who's fully God, get tempted? But it's a real temptation. I, I don't know. I've played around with that one for years. Could Christ have possibly have sinned? the impeccability of Christ, if you're into that language, it's complicated. But yes, it was a real sin. However that works out, I don't know. Put it in your pipe and smoke it. It was a real temptation. I said sin. Excuse me. Very bad. Very bad. I saw if you raised stones there. It's a bad thing to have those stones. Uh, real temptation. Excuse me. Not real sin. Jesus never sinned. Uh, real temptation. And it would have been real sin if he'd have done this. Jesus answered him, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Satan, I'm not going to let you tell me who I am. I'm going to let the Father tell me who I am. Just because you doubt right now that I am the Son of God, and right now I'm struggling with that, I'm going to trust what the Father says about me to be true. Look at the second one. He goes to the top, highest point of the temple. It says, then the devil took him to the holy city and let him stand on the highest point of the temple. Here it is again. If... If you're the Son of God, not since, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. What's going on here? If you're the Son of God, wouldn't God really just show you how much He loves you? Do you does the Father really love you enough to take care of you like that? Now, this is a real temptation. Jesus is really tempted here. There, there's some ugh going on within him. He doesn't fall over to the, the areas of unbelief, but there's a struggle. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a temptation. It's a temptation. And Jesus says, Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Why? The Father has told me who I am. The Father has told me that he loves me and will care for me. I don't need this parlor trick to prove that. Lastly, again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Now Jesus Christ knew why he came to earth. He knew fully well. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to die. He came to be punished he came to be ridiculed. He came to be mocked. And at this moment, what Satan is offering him is complete temporary relief from this. He says, you know what? I'll make you king over everything. You can rock and roll. You can have undiluted, absolute power. One little thing, though, is you've got to change allegiances. Jesus responds and says, 
Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Every one of those is with Jesus' self-identity. Who is he? Is it enough? Is it enough what the fathers told him? Is it enough? I can't help but think those 40 days and 40 nights and those times when the devil came and tempted him rang throughout the rest of his ministry. And when the Jews came to him and said, you're a nobody, he's thinking, you know, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, make these stones, do another trick. Man, the guy just changed two loaves and five fish or five loaves and some loaves and some fish into lots of loaves and lots of fish and walked on water. How much more do you need? Look at how Jesus responds to this in John 6, 43. He overcomes it just like he does with Satan. He says, stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Oh, Jesus' relationship with God the Father is so tight that he says that at the moment right now, do you understand, guys? I'm going to deflect, you know, I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say bounces off me and sticks to you. I'm going to deflect this one and say, I know you're ripping on me, but do you realize the real one you're ripping on is God the Father? Verse 47, I tell you the truth, he who believes his everlasting life, and then he restates it, and he restates it boldly. Right back at him. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the man in the desert, yet they died. But here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus is very comfortable in his own skin. He very much knew who he was. Does that mean at times he didn't struggle? I think he did struggle in those temptations. He never fell with to uh, unbelief, but he knew who he was. He knows who he is so much. From this point forward, we're going to get the famous I am statements. I got them up here on the screen. The seven statements in the book of John, which are famous. He comes out and uses these metaphors in beautiful ways. First one is, I'm the bread of life. Then he says, I'm the light of the world. Then he says, I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. Oh, that's, I can't wait till we get to Lazarus. (laughs) That's a beautiful one. Then he says to Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. And then in John 15, he says, I am the true vine. He uses these amazing metaphors, but he doesn't stop by saying, you know, guys, it's kind of like a vine. He doesn't say that. He says, I am the vine. Jesus was very aware of who he was. Now, this is to whet your appetite for next week. Jesus being very aware of who he was actually is for your benefit. We'll talk about that next week. This week, I want to close with... Hebrews chapter 2. And the author of the book of Hebrews says something about this event that Christ went through, both in his temptation with the enemy and when 
anytime people opposed him, and I think when people opposed him by ripping on his family or, or whatever, how does, that, how does that ring with you? Verse 14 of chapter 2, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, that's us, he too, Christ, shared in their humanity so that, the reason, by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. And here's the clincher. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Do you get that? This week, this next week, I can guarantee you something. Satan is going to buffet you. I don't even know what that word means, but it sounds cool, doesn't it? Buffet. Not buffet. He's not going to take you to old country. He, he's going to buffet you. He's going to try to beat you up. Two minutes after you walk out of here, if you're married, you get into the car, and you're going to buffet each other. Your kids are going to buffet you. Your friends are going to buffet you. Satan's going to buffet you. I can guarantee you that. And you're going to have an image of Christ as someone as disconnected and holy and otherly that doesn't care, or you're going to have an image of him who also was buffeted and say, Jesus, help me. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted. They show those pictures of him. He suffered. It was inner turmoil. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Let's pray. Lord God, I just confess that even in my own life, some of the buffeting that I get is that is that you really don't care or that you've never been through anything like I have been through and must seem as a surprise to you and you're not concerned. Nothing could be further from the truth. When those Jewish people, the religious rulers, when they grumbled against you, there was an inner turmoil going on with you. God, there are going to be people this week that are grumble against us. There are going to be people this week that rip on us for our family background, our, our lack of education, a stupid thing we do, whatever. Jesus, just as you found your identity in what the Father said about you, and God, we're going to expand this all next week, would you help us this week to find our identity in what you say about us and not what other people say? God, I pray this week as we spend time with each other and in your word, that you would cause a megaphone to come into our, our hearts and our ears that would help us to hear what you tell us about, what you say about us. Jesus Christ, I praise you that you are not only awesome and majestic and otherly, but you're also the one who came to earth and suffered, was tempted and yet never sinned, not once, but was really tempted, and you suffered through it. Because he himself suffered, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So Jesus Christ, this week, we want to come before you 
we want to have you be the one that will help us in our hours of temptation. Lord God, there are people in this room that are going through all kinds of temptation, whether it's things that would uh, look really horrible in the eyes of the world, or things that would look fine, but it's still a huge temptation. Lord, just by your Holy Spirit, would you communicate to us those things that you want us to stay away from and those things you want us to do and then give us the power and the foresight to see those things which our sin are not going to give us joy. Mm. Fill us, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.